that community's building where they're learning and, and people have access to the education. We had no idea we were a tech company. We had no idea that we could raise capital. We had no idea. We had no idea that we had no idea. Like we, we just didn't know. Welcome to Startupville, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfeld, our host is Dan Gold, and joining him today is Regan Hinchcliffe of S Media in Regina. S Media uses machine learning and artificial intelligence to develop predictive analytics and automated advertising to help dealerships get their inventory in front of people we know are in the market for them at every stage of the buying cycle helping the consumer find what they want when they want it, and helping the dealership get their right eyes in their cars. In this episode, we talk about how one of Canada's fastest growing startups is helping car dealerships around the world get more customers, all from the small prairie city of Regina. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place and Martin Charlton Communications. If we take this back, why? Did, how did you decide that the automotive space was going to be the space for this? And why not apply it somewhere else first? So at this current time, S Media as a name, you can kind of parallel it to McDonald's. So McDonald's is, arbitra- is an arbitrary name that's not associated with food. We just know it is with food. S Media really isn't tied down to the automotive industry. In fact, S Media, the S used to stand for social, and now we kind of have a collective agreement that stands for smart. Who knows what it's going to stand for in 10 years from now? You know, that's, that's really up to the stars, but... The S Media started off in a car dealership at one desk. Three of us sat there. We had a science at S Media World Headquarters. We really focused on a really diverse set of clients from many different types of industries. But being in the car dealership and being that one of our part owners owns a car dealership, he saw the opportunity to start and kind of re, kind of pushed us towards going after car dealerships because he knew they had the, they, they had the, the financial ability to do that. And that, you know, it's, it's a lucrative industry to be in, but we didn't really specifically go after the car dealership world until we developed some automation that we initially tried to do for houses. But I remember in the office being like, well, why can't we do this for cars? And, and we ended up making a crawler that, auto-generated advertisements for a dealership's inventory on their website. And we found that people were really looking for those specific types of keywords on AdWords. And, you know, at that time, that was a huge innovation. So as soon as we kind of found a real product market fit, we decided to create our whole sales process around pitching to, to car dealerships. And that's what we've really refined. We do have our feet in other industries. The, the automation and the machine learning and the, the consumer data that we accumulate to develop our technologies and to understand the markets we're in can be applied to real estate. So we do work with some real estate, but we're working on a team to actually go after the big data partnerships to be able to uh, go through the, the agencies and then sell or resell that to the real estate agents. But we also have uh, our toes in, in heavy trucks, in RVs, in and uh, motorsports, we also have telecommunications, electronics. So really anything retail based that people do a lot of research online, but purchase in person, our technology can really help. And the reason why is because we have found a, we've used machine learning to find some, some behaviors people do 
So the smallest mouse movements or scrolling down and reading descriptions or clicking on pictures, you know, the, when they do these behaviors online, we've kind of refined a digital fingerprint of what a person who's most likely going to buy does online without actually contacting the, the business. So there's in, in the retail world, there's a lot of people that are doing the research online and most of it is online, but then there's a lot of people going in person, knowing a lot about the product already because they've done the research, but they want to see it in person. So when companies are trying to rely on leads and people are filling out less leads, we needed to kind of come up with an understanding of, okay, well, if they're not going to give you any information, how can we leverage what they're doing on your website to then build your audiences to, to retarget the right people with the right products to follow up with people before you even know who they are. And we were able to kind of bridge that information gap. So looking at how you, how you approach the problem, Let's face it, there are certain parts of, of the sectors that you've spoken about being true legacy sectors. Where was the line of education with people to explain to them yeah. how this was going to benefit them? Yeah, so that, that was tough. Okay, so like in this, in the automotive industry, I mean, I, I would probably say it even in, in the phone industry, like, they're, they're trying really hard to get leads. That's how a lot of these marketing managers, that's how they keep their jobs. Right. So there was a huge education gap that S media had to fill. And at the beginning, it was really hard to get them on that. But as we've shaped our sales tactics and as the industry's changed and how we approach clients, it's very educational sale. It's like really sales has changed, like the approach in sales as, as the markets adapt, sales also has to adapt. And we take something called the challenger and consultative sales approach, where when we first speak with a prospect now, it is really about outlining that there is an information gap. And our goal is to help people and businesses think differently about their business from the very beginning of the sales process. So before we had to kind of sell that idea and educate that idea after we had them, which was harder. But as, as the industry has adapted and changed and as our clients have been educated from the beginning, now they're bought into our behavioral tracking and we've redefined what success is from the very beginning. But yes, it was difficult and it is complicated, but it's, uh, we're hoping that this, this metric that we've created and this understanding of behavior, and we found a strong relationship between actual sales and people doing these behaviors, you know, the, the, the whole, it's just, it's just the education is getting easier and people are recognizing these gaps, this information gap. I mean, Google came out with the statistics that only 26% of people actually fill out lead forms. So that's what we start with. That's how we educate. And then we say we've solved this problem from an industry level. Do you see um, a, a challenge as we move into the future with how uh, the model of car buying may be changing if, we're, if we are moving towards a dealerless model? If that, in truth, is going to be the case that you go onto a manufacturer website yep. and you configure your car however you want it yep. to be and then they liaise directly with you, is, is that... Um, it, it, does this then become a challenge on the yes. lead generation for the manufacturer rather than the, rather than the dealership? Right. So the, the kind of the future that we envision is that people are going to be subscribing to brands, right? They're going to get picked up in their automated driving Cadillac or Mercedes. Anything new is going to be kind of subscription based, but for the other people, 
that may not kind of kind of may not be able to afford it or in areas like Saskatchewan for instance used car sales is going to go up and there's going to be like ride sharing apps but car sharing apps so dealerships are probably going to shift more to the used car sales which where our technology and our process and our and our strategy is very sufficient in in helping dealerships make sure that they get their their right um, used inventory in front of the right people. So you've spoken very clearly about you've got a, a technology here, but you've also looked very carefully at the the funnel, at the sales, the marketing, the machine that works hand in hand with the technology. Do you think at times, uh, as a commentary of uh, the wider tech industry or the startup industry or the startup area, that sometimes people focus too heavily on getting the technology right and not looking at how you can build the funnel and the rest of the machine to make right. it something that works for organizations? Well, and, and it is it, like we have actual examples of just sometimes some way that we 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 approached a sale with with a group we outlined the problem and we showed them major gaps in their data without pushing too hard on how we solve it with the technology so i mean we've even seen that disconnect and how that can impact it but yeah like we've identified a problem and we can help dealerships and any company identify their own gaps in their advertising with our metric that we that you know we're tracking all these behaviors but but for 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 us not if we don't didn't have a solution that could actually scare away a lot of people and marketing managers you know opening up big gaps and not providing a, a solution for that can can turn off a lot of people because if 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 it makes them look bad and then we can't help them then they don't really want that data <laughs> and when you talk about data itself i mean there's um there's such a thing as data overload or, or the inability to understand what the data is telling an organization. Uh -huh. How do you deal with people who, you know, maybe five, 10, 15 years before basically uh -huh. looked at sales numbers and potential leads and that was it. And now they've got this great big heat uh -huh. of all of this extra information uh -huh. and maybe some of them feel a bit lost. So, during that 15 year period and during the time when internet became more of an important thing and people started taking it seriously, the conversation was actually probably more disjointed than we're making it now. So before agencies would be using online jargon and vanity metrics like bounce rates or mm -hmm. pages a session or the time that these people are spending on there and that became the kind of foundation for the conversation so but what we found was a dealership could be having these great stats in these vanity metrics but still have a really bad month and so with agencies talking using and they would all use different vanity metrics in different in different uh, important levels of importance what we've been able to do is we've created kind of one universal metric that they can see in their analytics called an engaged prospect. And these are people that get to a product detail page and they do all these really, really strict behaviors in combination. And, but with the vanity metrics, we found that there was no correlation to sales. So what we've done is, is we've actually made it easier for marketing managers to see how well their traffic sources are performing. And we've created one, one metric that, allows them to judge their traffic driving sources 
in one column as opposed to disjointed bounce rates and pages a session. That makes sense. No, absolute sense. You've you've effectively by creating this measurement, you've you've demystified it because they they've been educated to go. I can see a number and I can understand what the number means, which is right. incredibly important. Just looking at um, just looking at how we uh, are placed physically and uh, geographically here. You're in Regina. Uh, you're the fastest uh, the fastest growing startup in Regina. Why Regina? And the second question, why stay? Well, we've, I mean, we were born and raised here and we started this company, just young kids wanting to do something cool and be part of something cool. We, I mean, didn't even think that we would be where we are today at all. Like at all, we had no idea. In fact, it was even not even a year ago that we even knew that we were doing well in like the tech community. We didn't even know we were a technology company. Like in Regina, we were in this bubble. And I mean, it's, it's getting better now. Like there's more of a consciousness surrounding tech and, and there's a community, but we didn't have that support. And so we were just kind of in our own little bubble and we went out and we approached clients with, we, we do all our calls, like our sales calls are all calls, they're all Zoom meetings like this kind of. And we didn't really need to move outside of Regina, but if you want to, like, if you, if you look at us from another perspective, we consider ourselves a frog. So we're a, essentially a fully remote organization. So we, we, have, we have about 22 people here in this local office here in Regina, but we've got about 78 people across the world that work for S-Media. We, we have an office in Bangladesh with about 12 developers. The lead developer has got his PhD in neural computation. So he spearheads our AI and machine learning projects. And we got people in the Philippines. We got people in, in Russia. We got people in Ukraine, like our head marketing managers in Ukraine, like the talent pool that we're able to draw by going on, on Upwork and finding these people. It, it, it makes it so that we don't physically have to leave, but we do have a, a pretty big presence in Vancouver. It was when Marshall went to Vancouver to go, to, uh, to go to some investor thing he was invited to that we realized that we were doing really well. And that's kind of where everything started taking off. So as I understand it, you've got, you're in about 450 plus dealerships now. Yep. Um, you're, uh, you have operations across the globe with where the talent pool is and you've got people working there as well. Um, how do you get from that 450 to the thousand dealerships to the 10,000 dealerships and how do you push that global push? So two of our, two of our biggest, biggest things that we're working on is the acquisition of new clients and the decrease of our churn rate. So those are, those are two, like, so I guess the biggest thing is our churn rate. So we're, we're probably on par to acquire about 30 to 40 new dealerships this month, but where, where we're really trying to figure out and refine is how do we keep these clients happy and keep transparent with them and keep them on the same page and meet with them on a monthly basis and you know make sure that we've we, we signal at risk clients and take stra and implement strategies and process in place to ensure that we're keeping in front of them and making sure that they're that they get on the same page like that that's a big thing is is retention that's that's the biggest thing that we're trying to focus on right now but how do we get to that like i mean we just hired 
two new sales staff. We have about six. So yeah, we got about 24 people in sales and we, we have a workable sales model and we're just, we're scaling right now on the sales, on the sales floor and we're scaling in the accounts. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a challenge, but we, you know, it's, it seems to be working. So. And that's excellent. Uh, if we go back to before this, when you started out, you said we didn't even see we were a tech company. We had we had grown from from a single desk and then scaled from room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you how did you attract capital to invest in the business uh, itself? I take it was that initial leadership, yeah. and then how did you scale from there on the uh, on the economic side? Right. So S Media up until half a year ago has been bootstrapped. So this is uh, this is kind of that story, that cool story that's made investors very interested in us. We like once again, we didn't know what raising capital was. We had n no comprehension. Like you know, the new startups here in Regina, they all know about that because they got the Cultivator and they got the Innovation Place and and like that community's building where they're learning and and people have access to education. We had no idea we we're a tech company. We had no idea that we could raise capital. We had no idea. We had no idea that we had no idea. Like we we just didn't know, but. Marshall goes to Vancouver, talks about our numbers, and all of a sudden we realize we're we're kicking ass, and and now it's like okay, let's let's get in front of investors, and then we got contacted by Espresso Capital, which is a debt venture, debt capital fund, and they and so we received debt debt capital from from them. So we still haven't received any dilutive uh, dilutive capital, and you know we're we're at the point where we we just got back from Collision, and Marshall met with a lot of different investors. We're not really getting interviewed by investors. We're more interviewing them because we're we want the right fit. We want smart money with the right connections and and with the right uh, with the right advisors and education and and the ability to move us forward more than just with the money. So I I think that's a brilliant position to be in, and and certainly the the moving forwards, it's going to be finding that right partnership, bringing the right people on board who who believe in in what you're doing rather than just going here here's the money work yeah. hard for us get us a return yeah. so that we can exit yeah we um, don't need that no um you are as i recall the 53rd fastest growing company in canada yep. according to canadian business magazine yep how do you look forwards from here obviously you're talking about those uh, uh, potential uh, investors <laughs> and those next steps what's what's one year what's five year what's 10 year so i ask those same questions quite often the five year really we have no idea but when it comes down to one year so our our goal our goal is to reach i think like a thousand clients within the next couple of years here and we have we have a scalable model to do that and really it's just about the the resources but you know, from, from a standpoint of where we're going to be, like we just launched uh, the world's largest vehicle marketplace called vroomance.com, fall in love with your next car. And it's got 16 million vehicles on it. And that's larger than all the big car sites combined. And how we did it is we created an AI crawler that, and we trained it to find car dealerships and it went out and found about 52,000 car dealerships, crawled their inventory, indexed it, and then our program was able to aggregate that data and then categorize it. And now we have this large car search engine. Now with this search engine, that could take us into another, another universe. 
So the amount of consumer data that we're going to be able to accumulate, obviously the, the, the ability to um, break down the old guard, you know, with, with how car, Trader works and how cars.com and how they work with the feeds. And, and so we're crawling it like Google. It's like Google for cars. And the, our ability to advance our advertising based on knowing that much in-market data to enhance our, our systems by helping dealerships target the right inventory based on their prices in the market, that's going to, that's going to take us to another level. Like we don't really even know, like if this works out, like we're going to make our, make this search engine for electronics. We're going to make it for, for any, you know, retail like RVs and stuff. We want it really just to be the biggest marketplace that makes it really easy for customers to find products locally. But it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, five years ago, I would have never told you we'd be here. And so we're just, we're just thinking, we're just thinking we can do it, you know, and, and we're just launching, we're just implementing and creating things that it's all, it's like, we're just, I think we're just naive enough to think we can do it really. And who knows where we're going to be. I find this incredibly exciting. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, which is when you get up in the morning, and you get that, you know, the spring in your step. What is the thing that excites you first thing in the morning? You get up, you're ready for work, you're, you're energized, you're, you know, you, you may have had breakfast or you may be intermittent fasting. Um, what is it that makes you go, yeah, I'm going to get today? You know, the, I think the best thing of being a, an entrepreneur and you know, sometimes you just kind of have to sit back and, and look at where you've come from and how much you've achieved, even though when you're in the trenches, it's really hard to see that, especially in my department. You know, I'm, I'm managing the accounts team and we're just const constantly putting out fires. And But really, when, you, when I get up in the day, I know that I'm going to an office and I'm going to be communicating with a bunch of loyal, dedicated team members who, you know, really care about working for S media and, and helping build that, the company. When I wake up, I'm really excited to see what kind of ideas they're going to come up with next. And like, who's like, what kind of excitement they're going to bring, you know, what can, what, what am I going to do today? That's going to, enhance my leadership and, and make me like, and, and make the office more positive for people and, and facilitate the democracy of ideas. It's just, when I wake up in the morning, I just, I look forward to being with the team and just making them laugh and just being an energetic person that, that can lead as a good example. You've brought me onto an interesting area, which is the question of leadership. Um, where is your background in leadership what gave you um the 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 path to leadership apart from being the guy at the beginning of this project how do you lead others lots of startups when they're going through the uh, growing pains it's a case of very often they're good at what they do they know what they want to achieve but leadership can be a big question yeah i will using it once again we, we didn't consider ourselves a tech startup and i never really considered myself a leader but you know i've always you know whether it be i don't know from a young age i've always been one that wants to kind of rise above the crowd and and make a difference and i've always put myself out there and taken chances like i started my own band i say you know there, there's a lot of examples in my in my in my past but 
I never really put, I never really had a word to what I was doing until I kind of got a business coach and, and they, they outlined to me that, you know, what I say and what I do is, is really important. And so I have to be careful with the negative stuff and really work on increasing the positive. Right. And, and so that's helped, helped me put a lot of context to it, but leadership to me really is um, just being in the trenches and, and, and leading by example and, being very open to new ideas and not putting red tape in front of people, letting them go ahead and, and achieve what they want to achieve. If they have a great idea, you let them go ahead of it, ahead with it, and don't uh, don't micromanage, and just be that positive moral support when when there's successes, and also be that be that wisdom to lean on when there's when there's failures and shortcomings, and and really showing how failure probably teaches you more than success, and just using your my own personal wisdom from life to to put that in my business and just be part of the team. I, I think that that kind of encapsulates how I, how I see it. And just before we wrap this uh, discussion, I'm really interested, interested in the area of having a number of remote workers. I, I do projects where I deal with other continents tends to be, you know, time zones between here and there, yeah. that's it. But you're yeah. dealing with multiple, and I know this one very yeah. closely, dealing with multiple time zones with different people with different disciplinary uh, yeah. specialist areas. How do you coordinate calendars and timings and making sure that people aren't tired at the end of the day or someone's getting up silly early to try and coordinate that? Do you do zonal meetings? How do you do, how do, you do a company-wide meeting? So we don't typically do a company-wide meeting. So there, I mean, we have, there is time zone, time zone issues with developments. We're, we're working on our, on our getting a CTO that can better manage that team. That's probably one of our, uh, one of our weak points right now, but when, for the people that are, um, yeah, so we do have kind of department based meetings. So the one, so the department, like the business development team, they have their morning meetings and then we do have local meetings here, but I think one of the, one of the, there are two of the coolest things that we've done to really kind of get everybody knowing who we, who everybody is, is we, I mean, we hired, we hired Stephanie Boone, who is our director of people and culture. She was the same position at Gas Buddy. She's great. She, um, she implemented something called Donut on Slack. So every two weeks we get paired up with with people that uh, that are in the organization that we've never met, and and once again, I, I'm meeting these people from the BDC team. They're traveling the world, and the S Media is their job is their is their job, but they, it allows them to go and travel and and just meeting all these people from another universe that I never even existed. That's a, a way for all of us to kind of get acquainted with people. But, you know, everybody sort of are intertwined on the sales team, like the BDC team work with this individual sales staff as a part of another team. So that's all coordinated really well. But I think one of the best things that have, has really, I guess, consolidated our culture and reinforced it and added to it and increased kind of our collective consciousness of who we are as a company is our Friday story time. So every Friday, we a, a, a good group, probably about twenty-five to thirty of us, get into a into a Google Hangout call, and and we talk about the successes we had that week and what we did to achieve those successes. Clap for everybody, and 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 give praises to people who did really well, who surpassed expectations. But yeah, the, the Friday story time and the donut stuff, and just having a, a person in HR, people and culture, to really facilitate that that learning of other people and what their passions and interests are. I think that that's really brought us to that next level of that. Uh, 
fully remote organization culture. And it's so important. It's a difficult thing to get right. And you've clearly got a program around it. And I think you've got the right people in place there to make sure that it happens. Um, Regan, uh, tell me where people can find out more information, whether they're interested in you as a person, the organization, Mm -hmm. and the innovation you're bringing to your sectors. Well, our website, I guess, just outlines what our products are. It's more meant for for prospects to take a look at. Uh, Brewmans.com is our Vroom, uh, so V R O O M ants, uh, kind of like romance, but with room. <laughs> that that's that's the other website. But when it comes down to more about me or more about a company, I guess our Facebook page, facebook.com/smedia.ca, that will give kind of a, a really good outline of our culture. And then you can always add me to LinkedIn, Regan Hinchcliffe, and that's kind of where I post stuff going on. But yeah, that's kind of disjointed, but really that's yeah well though in truth those are the places that people go i think i think culturally we've got used to going to socially or connecting with people a bit of this over here a bit of that over there and maybe a bit over here um so actually there is a a space for cleaning up all those sorts of things for companies maybe there's a solution there maybe. (laughs) maybe um regan thank you so much for joining me here on startupville wishing you the very best and um i will follow your organization with great interest thank you so much dan gold for your for your time i really appreciate it it was really nice meeting you and yeah hope you have a great day talk to you soon startup bill is brought to you by innovation place helping grow the tech sector in saskatchewan canada and is produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at WeTellYourStories.ca. The show is produced by me, Mike Wolsfeld, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Startupville Pod. See you next time on Startupville.